Most Christians today do not realize that almost all of the signs of the sixth seal are history now. And only, the only sign left is the coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation 6.12, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked. It says when he opened the sixth seal, that means after the persecutions of the Middle Ages, after the deaths of the martyrs, the sixth seal is opened. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Before we get started, we want you to know that we believe here at Reaching Your Heart that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, please call us at any time, day or night, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Today's message with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is entitled, The Voice of Thunder and the Seven Seals. Here's Pastor Mike. Revelation twenty-two seventeen. the end of the book of Revelation describes this. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who is thirsty, come. And let him who desires take the water of life without price. The voice says, do not harm oil and wine. Why? Like the winter olive oil harvest, the grape harvest occurred after the spring harvest in the fall. The grape harvest ends before the second coming, symbolized by the Feast of Tabernacles, the final feast. The unfermented wine of the grape was used at Passover, and Jesus taught that it represented His blood, and it pointed forward to the future. And wine can also represent the blood of others who are shed. In Revelation 14.20, it describes the end of the world. The wine press was trodden outside the city, and the blood flowed from the wine press as high as a horse's bridle for 1,600 stadia. So the great harvest ends at the Feast of Tabernacles in the fall when Jesus returns because the harvest of souls reaped by the blood of Christ and by the martyrs of Jesus Christ will come to a final end in the final judgments and in the final victorious picture of God's people standing on the sea of glass. Friend, no martyr blood will be shed as a witness after the second coming of Jesus. So do not harm wine. In the sixth seal, the statement, do not harm oil and wine, means that these two harvests are future and do not get harmed by what transpired in the Middle Ages. The wine points to the future harvest of all those who have shed their blood for Jesus. It points to the future. In the third seal, God does not allow the apostasy that started in the third to fourth centuries to harm these future harvests at the end of time. Now, while the third seal introduces us to the apostasy of the church that arose in the fourth to fifth centuries, the fourth seal describes the full-blown famine of the Middle Ages. Look at verses 7 and 8, Revelation 6, 7 and 8. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I saw, and behold, a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And there were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with famine, with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. So what happens when the church rejects the twin gospel harvests of Passover and Pentecost? What happens when the cross of Christ diminishes in the experience of the historical church and people forget that the Holy Spirit has been given so that we might live for God? What happens when Christians turn their back on the cross, the resurrection, the power of God in their life? The fourth horse is pale because the medieval church is sick and because people are dying spiritually in the Middle Ages. The judgment in the fourth seal is a fourfold judgment of sword, famine, pestilence, and beasts. Number one, sword. The sword points to the medieval activity of the beast power in Revelation 13. 
The medieval church-state system of the Middle Ages is here described as a beast with ten horns, with crowns, because there were monarchies in Europe during the Middle Ages. It has power that kills God's people during a prophetic time period of 42 months. Revelation 3.5, The beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. It was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Now yes, the question, why 42 months? 42 months is how many years? Do the math with me here. Three and a half. Who had a ministry for three and a half years? So the beast here, he receives his authority from the dragon. Christ received his authority from the Father. Christ had a ministry for three and a half years. Here the beast has a ministry of 42 months. I mean, the beast is not Christ. The beast is what? Antichrist. The world kingdom system that acted Christian in the Middle Ages took the place of Jesus in the lives of men and women who needed him. And it was allowed, it says in verse 7, to make war on the saints and to conquer them. It was an era of persecution. Authority was given over every tribe and people and tongue and nation. It became a universal church-state order that was not obedient to Christ. Then verse 10, if anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone slays with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Number two, famine. Famine points to the loss of rain. For 1,260 prophetic days. In the Bible, one day represents a year in prophecy. 1,260 literal years. Over a 1,000 years in the Middle Ages, a period of spiritual famine is predicted in the book of Revelation. Revelation 11.3, And I will grant my two witnesses power to prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. And remember the Old Testament, there was a prophet for three and a half years who predicted there'd be no rain. What was the name of that prophet? Elijah. And the problem was that Jezebel and Ahab had brought error into the family of Israel, had corrupted the faith of Israel by an eclectic, syncretistic kind of religious phenomena that turned its back on the Word of God. And so we see in the New Testament era, the same thing happens in the Middle Ages. We see the inroads of paganism. Look at verse 6. They have power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying, and they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. 1,260 days represents 1,260 years. Three and a half prophetic years. During the days of Elijah, there was no rain for three and a half literal years because people worshipped Baal instead of the Lord God. Baal worship was essentially an ancient form of ecumenicism. It was an attempt to unite ancient religions without being faithful to the truth of the Bible and the covenant of God. In fact, it was an interfaith kind of phenomena where you could still be a follower of God. You just called him Baal. And you let the new syncretism define the truth, not what Moses said or the Scripture said. In this way, it resembles the emerging church movement today, which is Christianity without submission to the Word of God. If you deny what Jesus is going to do in the future, you have no claim to the Holy Spirit now. Because God's Word today in the church transforms it for the glorious day that is coming. We have no community in the church unless we embrace the truth of what is coming in the Holy Word of God. And so there's a struggle in the Christian church today for its very biblical identity. Paganism and Christianity shook hands in the Middle Ages. And paganism won the war. The church surrendered the truth 
for social acceptance with other religions and faiths. And the Bible and the clear teaching of what Christ had accomplished on the cross of Calvary was surrendered in the lives and hearts of men. Number three, pestilence. Pestilence is literally death in the Greek text. The death here described as contextually persecution. Revelation 12, 10. And they conquered him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. Number four, beasts. In Daniel 7 and Revelation 13, beasts represent kingdoms. The Bible predicts here the strife of great empires during the Middle Ages. In Matthew 24, 7, Jesus prophesied that kingdom would rise against kingdom, but the end is not yet. The fifth seal introduces us to the latter Middle Ages when the Reformation was rejected and the Inquisition of the Middle Ages and the Counter-Reformation literally destroyed the lives of millions of people in Europe and the world. Revelation 6, 9, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne. Now, is it important in these last days to stand for the Word of God? If you choose to take your stand on what the Bible says, I'm not talking about legalism. I'm talking about biblical commitment to Jesus Christ and the Word of God. You are standing on the shoulders of those who stood for Jesus Christ here described. It says they had been slain for the Word of God and for the witness that they had borne. Revelation 12.10, it says that the heavenly universe accepted us and then he goes on to say in verse 11 that they overcame the devil by the, the word of their testimony and the blood of the Lamb. I mean, there's no way to overcome at the end unless we overcome in the same way those people did in the Middle Ages. Look at verse 10. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before thou wilt judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell upon the earth? Then they were given each a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren should be complete. He were to be killed as they themselves had been. What the Bible is saying is, is that the persecutions of the latter Middle Ages from the 1540s that led up to 1767 where we have the last recorded persecution death in France, that those persecutions will be completed by the end time persecutions that are coming. The altar in the fifth seal is the altar of sacrifice. Men and women gave their lives for God and for His Word. William Tyndale was strangled to death because he gave us the Scriptures. John Huss died at the Council of Constance because he would not surrender the truth of Christ our righteousness. Friend, we're not living in a time of earth's history where we need to compromise with the world ecumenical order. We are living in a time of earth's history when the Bible, which is the witness of Jesus Christ, must go to the world in unsullied glory. And like Jesus, the faithful martyrs of the Middle Ages died bearing witness to the truth of the cross of Christ. Would they find their brothers and sisters today so represented, standing for God in the midst of adversity? Like Jesus, they sacrificed themselves for the truth. The fifth seal completes the martyrs of the Middle Ages, but it also anticipates another group of martyrs. In the mark of the beast issue at the end, more will die before Jesus returns. Revelation 13, 15 it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast should even speak and to cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Now, you know, I'll tell you right now, in our church, there are voices that are saying that our theology of a coming mark of the beast issue isn't worth proclaiming. Now, when I read the Revelation 14, I read the first angel's message, which is the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. 
the second angel's message, identifying a religious order's end-time Babylon, making it incompatible with an ecumenical worldview. And the third angel's message, proclaiming the warning of the mark of the beast with a loud voice, and then I see Jesus coming. I cannot accept a theology like that. We would have to take that chapter and rip that out of our Bible. Friend, if we are to proclaim the truth of Jesus' soon return, if we are to proclaim the apostolic gospel, we must do so in the context of the signs of the times. You know, since 9-11, we are living in a world that's different. I mean, this is the craziest election I've ever seen. I don't know about you. I'm not a Democrat, and I'm not a Republican, and I don't want to be any part of any kingdom but God's kingdom in the end. But the war that's going on in our culture and for the world consciousness, the sense that there needs to be religion in the mix, that we need to have something like the Holy Roman Empire to bring the nations together to solve the economic mess, we are living in end-time circumstances described in the book of Revelation. And we had better study this book with an earnest heart. The sixth seal brings us down to the great awakening in America that followed the persecutions in the Middle Ages. The cosmic signs of the sixth seal are almost all behind us, and most Christians are looking for them to happen in the future. Most Christians today do not realize that almost all of the signs of the sixth seal are history now, and only, the only sign left is the coming of Jesus Christ. Revelation 6.12, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked. It says when he opened the sixth seal. That means after the persecutions of the Middle Ages. After the deaths of the martyrs, the sixth seal is opened. I looked and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth. The full moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. Just before the end of the persecutions of the Middle Ages in 1767, similar year in history, there was a great earthquake that has been the measure of all earthquakes ever since. November 1, 1755 at 9.50 a.m., as people were gathered in the churches that had supported the Inquisition, the great Lisbon earthquake hit the coast of Portugal and it hit hard. It was a magnitude of nine on the Richter scale. The quake was felt in Europe, Africa, and America. It was truly a global earthquake. A quarter of a million people were in church in Lisbon on All Saints Day when, it, when that quake hit. Huge waves rolled in from the sea and thousands died in a day. Fires burned for days. The stench of death ruled the night. It was reported that people could not weep because they were numb with horror. And shouts were heard in the streets, the world is at an end. Christ said that this would transpire at the end or near the end of these persecutions. May 19, 1780 is known in history as the Great Dark Day, which followed. It was a darkness experienced over much of the northeastern part of the United States, where great religious revivals were occurring, where people were studying the prophecies of Daniel in earnest. Now, some people say, well, why didn't it occur everywhere? Well, the Great Dark Day occurred on Egypt, didn't it? It didn't occur everywhere in the world. It happened right where God's people were interacting with prophetic events that would lead them into the future. It was in America where the great Advent awakening was in process, where men and women were studying the books of Daniel and Revelation, that we have the fulfillment of this prophecy. Since the time of Moses, no manifestation of darkness has happened with such intensity in history as happened that day. More with Pastor Michael Tenko in just a moment. Studying the Bible is vital to our lives, and we would like to help you in that process by providing you free Bible study guides. These full-color Bible study guides are available for you right now if you dial this telephone number, 
888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. We would love for you to call and get your copy of these free Bible study guides at any time. That's 888-244-4673. Now more with Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The 19th day of May, 1780, was a remarkable day. Candles were lighted in many houses. The birds were silent and disappeared, and the fowls retired to rest. The legislature of Connecticut was then in session at Hartford. A very general opinion prevailed that the day of judgment was at hand. The House of Representatives, being unable to transact their business, adjourned. A proposal to adjourn the council was under consideration. When the opinion of Colonel Abraham Davenport was asked, he answered, I am against an adjournment. The day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause of an adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. I wish, therefore, that the candles may be brought. And so the great dark day was a day in which people perceived the end of the world had come. And he wanted to be found doing his duty if Jesus should appear in the clouds. When the darkness lifted, the moon appeared as red as blood, just as the Bible had predicted. Milo Bostic in Stone's History of Massachusetts wrote, The moon which was at its full had the appearance of blood. On November 13, 1833, the greatest meteorite shower in history occurred. It has been called the falling of the stars. Here is a description of an eyewitness in South Carolina who witnessed it. And it just so happens it's the beginning of what we call the Great Advent Awakening. In that same year, William Miller began to preach the good news that Jesus is returning. Here's a description of an eyewitness in South Carolina who witnessed it. Upwards of 100 people lay prostrate on the ground, some speechless and others uttering the bitterest moans. But with their hands raised, imploring God to save the world and them, the scene was truly awful, for never did rain fall much thicker than the meteors fell toward the earth, east, west, north, and south. It was the same. The shower appeared from a center and stars fell in all directions. It looked like a fig tree, just as Jesus had predicting, casting its winter fruit in every direction. The next sign in the sixth seal is the coming of Jesus Christ. Friends, there have been almost 200 years between the falling of the stars and the times that we are living in. And why the big gap here? Because God is merciful. We have run out of cosmic signs. I mean, if a sign comes when it's too late, it won't matter. These signs have come right when the book of Revelation said they would come. So we would be aroused from our slumber, would stand for God, and would proclaim the truth of God and accept Jesus before it's too late. But one day the last sign will appear, and that one it will be too late to respond to. It will be the sign of the Son of Man and the clouds of glory, and the end will come. Revelation 6.14, the sky vanished like a scroll that is rolled up. Every mountain and island was removed from its place. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the generals, the rich and the strong, and everyone slave and free hid in the caves among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And here is the most important question you can ask today. Who can stand before it? In the sixth seal, the wicked hide themselves from God and the Lamb. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid themselves from the Lord. 
And the Lord came after them and He said, where are you? Finally, the Lord came to the cross of Calvary and He found them. Friend, we live between the two hidings. They hid from God and God came after them. He gave us Jesus. He left Eden to go to the cross to die on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so to speak, so that we would never have to die in a future judgment day. But at the end of the age, there will be a generation of men and women around the world who have no time for the Bible, who have no time for the cross of Christ, who are smarter than apostolic religion. And in that day, they will call for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from the face of God and from the Lamb. Friend, I do not want to hide in that day. I want to hide myself in Christ today. I want to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own based on law, but the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. I want to look into the eyes of the Lord who said at the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Those are the eyes that are coming in the clouds of glory for you. Friend, we must become acquainted with the Lord today to be ready for the great day of His appearing. Why has there been 200 years between the signs and the final sign? Because God's mercy, friend, God's love is the greater part of the mix. He is not content to let a world be lost in ruin at the end of the world. He has suffered long so that people can come home to God. Dear heart, the most important question you can ask today is the question in verse 17. And you need to ask it for yourself deep inside your heart. Will you be able to stand? Do you have time to study your Bible? Or is it just something that gets in the way of your life? Is Jesus someone you're ashamed of? Or do you boldly proclaim Him as your Lord and Savior from sin? Is your life one in which you're growing in Christ and you have surrendered yourself on a daily basis to grow in spiritual disciplines? Or do you have no time for that because the DVD machine and the theater is taking its place in your life? Will you be able to stand? Will you be able to stand when Jesus comes for the final harvest of the earth? Will you be able to stand when the cities fall and the sky is rolled up like a scroll? Will you be able to stand when the whole world falls apart and the islands sink into the sea? Will you be able to stand? Friend, we are living in the sixth seal. And the seventh seal will usher in the sound of silence. It is the silent seal, the Sabbath seal, the seal of rest for everyone who has the seal of the living God. And those who stand at the end of time are pictures standing because they have based their lives and their future on the Lamb of God. They sing the glory song that salvation belongs to the Lamb. They are ready for the Feast of Tabernacles, the final fruit harvest, the olive oil harvest, the never-ending age of the Holy Spirit with palm branches in their hands as they praise God. Revelation 7-9 After this I looked. Behold, a great multitude, which no man could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. Friend, Christ died on the cross of suffering, of your personal suffering, so that you can make it to this final feast. Hear the voice of the four living creatures in your life. I mean, let the message of the seven seals settle in deep and, and come to Jesus and take the water of life. Come to Christ and live forever because Jesus can save you. He can heal you. 
He has the harvest of oil of the Holy Spirit in a never-ending age of joy into eternity it's waiting for you. The Spirit and the Bride from the future say, Come. Jesus is the truth of the seven seals that will make it possible for you to stand. He is the Lamb. He's the one who opens the seven seals. He's the one who is the focus of the glory song when people recognize that they don't, they don't get there without Him. Salvation belongs to the Lamb. Friend, the call is clear. The four living creatures repeat it. Come. 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 To Jesus. Thanks for listening today to Reaching Your Heart. Don't forget you can always find today's broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. We have this special offer for you. We'd love for you to have a book entitled Ultimate Survival. This book will give you practical steps on how you can survive spiritually. You'll discover keys to physical, mental, and spiritual survival you may not know existed. Call right now. 888-244-4673. That's 888-244-4673. If you live in the Washington, D.C. area or are just passing through, we'd love to have you at the worship service. It's every Saturday at 11 o'clock. 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. That's 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, 20707. Or you can find us online at reachingyourheart.com. And join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart. <laughs> 